That was a blessing, was it not? I'm so thankful that we not only get to hear the gospel here, but we get to sing it too, don't we? Uh, we were singing in uh, stands or uh, in, in our blue hymnal, 204, a thing that leapt out at me, and I trust it leapt out at you, beloved. It says there uh, in that hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, it says there in the, the last stanza, His perfect salvation to tell. <laughs> what leaps to my heart and mind immediately are all the wonderful places where we hear of our sovereign, successful Savior. Um, it says, let's just look at a few of these verses before we look at Psalm 148 together. But if you look at Matthew chapter 1, it's our undeserved privilege this morning that we, we might listen in to the very message from the throne of God. <laughs> the angel came to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Joshua, Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. How about uh, Hebrews? Um, any of us believing these these blessed promises, these blessed facts? <laughs> you couldn't believe any of these things except God do not only a work on the cross for you in his son and the doing and dying of his promised Savior, but ever so blessedly he does a work in his people that we might believe these things. In Hebrews chapter 7, again, perfect salvation to tell. Listen to what it says here in verse 25. Hebrews 7 verse 25, it says, Wherefore he is able, the Lord Jesus Christ is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Don't you love that word, uttermost? He's not an almost savior. He ain't trying to save people. He shall save his people from their sins. And uh, what a what a glorious, God-honoring excuse we have to tell people about the will of the Father when we just simply ask them. <laughs> Would you like to know the will of the Father? Would you? I'm going to read this to you from the lips of a man who never once lied, who does not lie. In fact, he is the only man that is well-pleasing in God's sight. And I'm talking about none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 10, if you turn there with me, actually, no, it's John chapter 6. But uh, you can mark down chapter 10 and read that later. That's just as good. <laughs> it says in John chapter 6, Perfect salvation to tell. <laughs> uh, John chapter 6, verse 39. These are the words of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. He said these words. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, in, in the covenant of God's grace, in the eternal counsel of God, before the foundation of the world, before Adam fell in the garden, before you and I were ever born, God purposed to send his Son into the world, and he says here that the Father has given me a people. And he says here, I should lose nothing. Not one of his sheep. 
Not one of his lambs will be lost. For the Son sent him into this world by commandment to seek and save that which is lost. And he's going to find and, and seek every single one of those precious lambs. So wonderful to read that, is it not? How many people who have a Bible in their hand this morning are going into a building this morning and they've never heard the glory of our God? They never heard the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. They never heard perfect salvation to tell. If you're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ for all your pardon, for all your perfection, um, he's already saved you to the uttermost. He, he has saved you, he is saving you, and he shall save you. <laughs> How wonderful is that? Well, if you would, this morning, we're returning to the book of the Psalms, and we're continuing in our series in Psalm 148. It's really not our series, is it? It's the, just the, the Psalms. Just the Psalms. Psalm 148. And, and uh, look there with me, if you would, in verse 14, the last verse. It says there, He also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. Now notice those five blessed words a people near unto him. And we praise the Lord, do we not? God's people, beloved, we're no longer estranged by sins through that fallen nature we receive from our Father. Though our many sins separate us from God, but now, he says in Ephesians, we're made nigh unto him by the blood of Jesus Christ, his well-pleasing Son. And they're not only near to him, beloved, but they're also dear unto him. And he loved the church and gave himself for his church. Indeed, his church was purchased with his own precious blood. You see, God's people are near and dear unto him. Remember what we read last week there in Psalm 147, verse 11? It says there, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. We read in the next psalm, over Psalm 149, verse 4, The Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. You see, his people are near and dear unto him. And he loved the church and gave himself for it. Indeed, he laid down his life for his covenant people. Beloved, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the sin-atoning sacrifice for our sins. And once again, we see in this 148th Psalm, just like the conclusion of 147, this Psalm begin, again calls for us to praise the Lord. It says there, at the beginning of it, praise ye the Lord, and the conclusion, praise ye the Lord. All creation... All the heavenly hosts are to honor and praise and exalt him. And all those among this earth are to praise the Lord, for truly he is worthy of all worship, all honor, and all glory. Remember that portion from Revelation? Do you remember? It says there, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, both now and forever. Now look at verse 1. Psalm 100. 148, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. 
Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. All the hosts of heavenly angels are called upon to praise and honor and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 1 how that God instructs the angels. Let all the angels of God worship Him. You see, God will have all the heavenly host to honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, when the shepherds came calling, there was a multitude of a heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And repeatedly through the Psalms, it says, Praise ye him, all his hosts. Now turn back to Psalm 100, or rather 89, if you would. Psalm 89. And look there with me in verse 8. Psalm 89, verse 8. God's only holy book sets forth in Psalm 89, verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? You see, he's the Lord God of all creation. And we see that in so many blessed portions of God's word, do we not? All right, let's go back to our portion. And I'll continue reading there in Psalm 148, verse 3 to verse 6. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. That is, it shall not pass away. God's word, his command, his decree doesn't change, beloved. Because he doesn't change. And the Lord's heavenly creation are commanded to praise the Lord. And they do not fail because the Lord does not fail them. He is the preserver, beloved, as well as creator. Indeed, he is the ruler as well as the maker. Remember that blessed verse from Colossians chapter 1? It's uh, another place where we see set forth ever so blessedly and clearly, I might add, that the Lord Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And remember, this is talking about God's well-pleasing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 16, By Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And in Hebrews chapter 1, we read that blessed portion there, Hebrews chapter 1. By God's grace, beloved, we're not listening to a false prophet named Muhammad. We're not listening to a false prophet named Ellen White. We're not listening to a false prophet named Joseph Smith or all the other multitudes of them. How come? By God's grace, we hear his well-pleasing son. 
Remember, the father said not once, but two times, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and, and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, he created all things. And he is the preserver of all his creation. And he created everything by the decree of God. And he established and maintains everything by his decree. You see, the decrees of God are unfailing. They're unfailing. Remember, he said, I am the Lord God. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Malachi 3.6. You want to remember that? Just remember John 3.16. <laughs> Just drop the digit. There it is. <laughs> what a blessed promise. The Lord God said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see, his love is everlasting. It's eternal. Remember Isaiah 46. God said, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. You see, God mandates his, his mandates, his, his command shall not fail. It shall not change. Not, not, in, not in the least. Not in the least. Now look at verse 7 down through to verse 10. Again, Psalm 148. Uh, verse rather. Verse 7 down through to verse 10, Psalm 148. It says there, Praise the Lord from the earth. Notice he calls all the heavenly hosts, all the creation of the Lord to praise him. And then he says, For the earth to praise the Lord, even all ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creepy things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth. Praise ye the Lord. You see, all the Lord's earthly creation are commanded to praise the Lord. Remember from Psalm 147, verse 15, it says there, just, just across the, the page, He sendeth forth His commandment upon earth, his word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. My friend, God is the God of creation, and he's the God of all, all the elements. You know, it really speaks of the utmost disregard and disrespect to hear weathermen talking about old man winter or mother nature rather than God being the creator of all things. You see, he sends his snow, he sends his wind, he sends the storm. And we read it is he, he we read it here, read, read here rather, in verse 18, he sendeth out his word and melteth them, he causeth his wind to blow, and the waters flow. 
You see, beloved, as we read in Nahum, the book of Nahum, the Lord will have his way in the whirlwind. And we read in Jeremiah, he maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. And last but not least, he talks about man in this Psalm 100, Psalm 148, verse 11. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. God created all things. And then the sixth day, he created man in his own image and likeness. You see, God created Adam upright and holy. And we know the sad story of Adam, do we not? Adam fell. Adam rebelled against God and plunged all of us into ruin and sin. And now all people, even in our fallen, sinful, guilty condition, all people were to praise the Lord and give him all the honor and glory. And he mentions there in verse 11, Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth. I wonder how many rulers realize this, how that they rule by the Lord's decree. You see, he set them up and he brings them down according to his own holy and perfect will. And they rule by his decree. And they are in his hand to do with them as he sees fit. We read in Proverbs 21, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar? He thought he was really something, did he not? I mean, he thought he was somebody great. And that because he built that great city of Babylon. Well, God put him out in the pasture. And he took his understanding away from him. And he became like a wild beast. And his fingernails were like claws. And God just put him out there like a wild animal and left him to himself. And then one day... God visited him and taught him something of his character. And old Nebuchadnezzar testified how that the true and living God doeth according to his will among the army of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth, and that none can stay God's hand or say to him, Lord God Almighty, what doest thou? Maybe some of the kings and judges of the earth in our day need to be put out to pasture for a while. Oh, that the Lord would teach them that they rule by his decree, not their own, by his decree. You see, he's not in their hand. Rather, they're in his hand. And he raises them up, and he promotes them not by chance, but by his blessed will and purpose. You see, it's God that sets up kings and puts them down, according to his good pleasure. For it's by him that kings reign and princes decree justice, and that by the Lord's will alone. Now look at verse 12 again. Psalm 148, verse 12. Both young men and young women, old men and women and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. You see, my friend, everything and everyone is to praise and honor our great God, for he's worthy of it. The young men, the young women, the old men, the old women, and the children, let them honor the Lord. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Remember now, remember, my friend, the, thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And when the years draw nigh, then shall this old body of dust 
return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Old believers, old believers ought to be an example of encouragement to young people in the blessedness of the gospel, in the way of grace in Christ, in the way of God's sovereign, saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, our refuge. And we ought to teach our young people to praise and honor the Lord. And just the same, we should be about encouraging our young people to believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we ought to be an encouragement to young people, should we not? I mean, we shouldn't try to discourage our young people. Rather, we should encourage them in the way of grace. Notice Psalm 148, verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. Now, we could bring a whole message on the name of the Lord, could we not? And it bears repeating. The angel of the Lord, sent from the very throne of God, declared to Joseph, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. His name alone is excellent, and his glory is above the earth and heaven. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name is excellent. We read in Psalm 8, verse 1. Ever so blessedly, these, these words. Our Lord, or rather, O, o Lord, our Lord. O Lord, my Lord. <laughs> o Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. His name is excellent above all the earth. He has the most excellent name. For God hath given him a name which is above every name, that at that name, the Lord Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's none like unto the Lord. There's none like unto our God. He said, I am God, beside me there is no other. You see, there's none like the Lord. None. No one and nothing can be compared unto him. And his unique name has monopoly on all praise, all honor, all glory. The Lord Jesus Christ is the name of the Lord. And my friend, he's the Lord not by something we do. Hear me. He's not something, he's not Lord by something we do. Rather, he's Lord by the eternal decree of God the Father. He's called the Lord Jesus who shall save his people from their sins. And he is the Lord Jesus, the Christ, the anointed of God Almighty. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, the Lord Jesus Christ, might have the preeminence. His glory is above all the earth. Nothing in heaven or earth surpasses glory. Christ is called the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. And where does the glory of God shine? Do you know where the glory of God shines, beloved? I know you do, but perhaps there's someone here that does not know that just yet. 
the glory of God shines in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read that last part of verse 12. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And again, verse 14, he also exalted the horn of his people. The Lord God Almighty has a people, his chosen covenant people. And they're a redeemed people, a purchased people. And he also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. And so, beloved, praise ye the Lord. Now, in the last verse of Psalm 148, we see a number of things. First of all, we see what the Lord does for his people. Notice, he exalts his people. Secondly, he makes them his saints. Who are they? They are called the children of Israel. Where are they? They're near unto him. And what do they do? They praise the Lord. So what does the Lord do for his covenant people? My friend, God the Father has a people, and they're chosen by his sovereign grace and given to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the eternal covenant of grace. You see, the Lord has a people that were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And my friend, does the Lord? what does the Lord do for his covenant people? What does he do? <laughs> he does everything for them. Everything. He performeth all things for me. <laughs> and so, beloved, we cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth not some things, beloved, but ever so blessedly all things for me. Psalm 57, 2. Indeed, he performs all things for his people. He saves them. He redeems them. And he exalts them. You see what the sweet psalmist of Israel writes there? He also exalteth the horn of his people. He exalts the power of his people. What is the power of his people in salvation? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, is it not? Salvation's of the Lord. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And so he exalts his people and lifts them to, in Christ who is the power and authority of our salvation. He exalts us in our majestic head, our representative, our surety, Christ Jesus the Lord. Now back to Psalm 147 now. Look at verse 6. It says there, The Lord lifteth up the meek. He lifteth up the meek. You see, he lifts us up. We were cast down and cast out, and he lifts us up by the horn of his salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were in darkness, and he lifts us. Indeed, he translates into the kingdom of his dear son. And it is Christ alone who does this lifting, this exalting. Look at Psalm 113. Psalm 113, verse 7. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. He lifts us up from the manure pile of our sin, iniquity, and guilt that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people, exalted, lifted, and blessed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, the only reason our salvation, the only reason of our salvation, is found totally and only in God's well-pleasing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason of our salvation is totally and only found in Him. 
The reason of mercy is found in him. The reason of grace is found in him. The reason of love is found in him. And we love him only because he loved us and has exalted us in Christ Jesus and called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Secondly, notice what he makes them. Notice what he makes them. What does he make his people? He makes them the praise of all his saints in glory. Now, who exactly is a saint? Well, as you look through your Bible, when you get to the Gospels, it says St. Matthew. And when you get to Mark, it says St. Mark. And when you get to Luke, it says St. Luke. And when you get to John, it says St. John. All those apostles were saints. And beloved, not only the apostles, but so too every sinner saved by the grace of God is a saint. That's exactly right. You see, every sinner saved by the grace of God is a saint. For that's what the Lord makes those people that he lifts from the dunghill of sin and iniquity. He makes them saints in Christ. I mean, uh, right now, <laughs> you're looking at a saint. And right now, I'm looking at a few saints right now. <laughs> the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps you didn't know that by God's undeserved grace, I'm a saint in Christ. You see, believers are sanctified in the Lord. That's what a saint is. A sinner set apart by the Lord and they're sanctified. And my friend, never forget it. Every believer is a saint. For beloved, we are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, the second last book of the Bible, the little book called Jude, just before Revelation, we read there in the first verse of that book, just, just one chapter, and it says there, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. And then notice what follows. To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called by the Spirit of God, called by the Holy Spirit. And so, beloved, we're sanctified, first of all, by God the Father. He set us apart in that eternal covenant of grace. And not only are we preserved in Jesus Christ, but it says in Hebrews 10, verse 14, by one offering, Christ Jesus, the Lord, God's well-pleasing Son, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, if you would find the First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 1. It says there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You see that? They're called saints. And those two words in italics, to be, can be left off. So we may read, To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. <laughs> called saints with all that in every place call upon the name of uh, upon the name of Jesus Christ our lord both theirs and ours beloved we're sanctified in Christ Jesus remember he prayed father sanctify them with through thy truth thy word is truth john 17:17 17, 17. and then thirdly look at romans chapter 15 verse 16 it says there how that we're sanctified by god the father set apart in the eternal covenant of grace. This is what God's word sets forth. 
were sanctified by God the Father, set apart in that eternal covenant of grace, sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ by his redeeming blood, called saints in Christ Jesus, and further were sanctified by God the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 15, verse 16. We see Paul writing there. He says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. And then this prior, in the latter part of verse 15, he says that the grace that is given to me of God, verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by God the Holy Spirit. You see, those who are sanctified. So how can I tell if I've been sanctified? That's a good question. How can I tell if I've been sanctified? How can I tell if I've been set apart by the Father and that I've been sanctified by that one offering that the Lord Jesus Christ has made for his covenant people? How can I know that I'm sanctified by God the Holy Spirit? How can I know that? Is it some kind of feeling that we seek for? Or some kind of experience that we seek after? We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, how we may know that we've been sanctified. You turn there with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Did you find it? It says there, we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. We are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Those who were sanctified by the Holy Spirit are found believing the truth. Capital T. <laughs> the truth of the gospel the true gospel, the truth as it is in Jesus, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, those sanctified saints, sinners saved by God's grace, they believe the truth as it is in Jesus. The truth about who God is, he's holy. The truth about the way of salvation, grace alone, the truth about who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he accomplished, and the truth of what we are before God by nature. What are we by nature? Just sinners, my friend. And what he makes us by his grace in Christ? <laughs> Saints. And then fourthly, back in Psalm 148, we find out who the sanctified are. You see, they're not only called his people, they're not only called his saints, but they're called the children of Israel. Now, in the ancient, ancient biblical times of the Old Testament, not all people were considered the children of Israel. I mean, there was the Hittites, the Jezebites, and the Amalekites. They had no claim on God, not at all. You see, they were not considered the Israel of God, for they were not the descendants of Jacob, and that's where the name Israel comes from. You see, not all people were considered the children of Israel. Rather, only the descendants of Jacob were, and just the same in our day, not all people of the earth are the children of God. I want that to sink in, because that's just so. Not 
All people of the earth are the children of God. You ever hear someone say we're all God's children? Well, we may be all God's creatures, but we're not all God's children. My friend, God is not the father of us, of us all. Now, God is the creator of us all in that he created Adam and all that descended from him. But God is not the father of all people. And so not all people of the earth are called the children of God. Now, they're a part of his creation in Adam. That is, that, that's clear. But only those chosen in Christ are the true spiritual seed of Abraham. God took not hold of the fallen angels, but as we read in Hebrews chapter 2, he took hold of the seed of Abraham. And that's talking about the spiritual children, the spiritual seed of Abraham, those blessed in Christ Jesus. Turn to uh, Galatians, if you would. Galatians chapter 3. And look there with me in verse 8. Galatians 3, verse 8. It says this, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, the, the, the Gentiles, the, the nations through faith, not, not just Israel, not just a chosen people from Israel, but a chosen people out from every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And we read just a page over in Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, because ye are daughters, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now back to Galatians 3, verse 9, we read, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so in Christ Jesus the Lord shall all the seed, all the children of Israel be justified and glory, and shall glory in Him and Him alone. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, fifthly, back to our text. So they're his people, they're his saints, and they're the children of Israel. You know, and Paul writes to the Corinthian, the, the, the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 18. Beloved, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that com committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Beloved, you are no more your own, for you're bought with a price, and his people are near unto him. And that's the fifth point. His people are near unto him. So just how near are they unto him? Listen to this stanza penned by uh, one saint of old. By nature and by practice, 
far, how very far from God I am. Yet now by grace brought nigh to him through faith in Jesus' blood, so nigh, so very nigh to God I cannot ne'er be. For in the person of his Son I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, more dear I cannot be, the love wherewith he loves the Son, such is his love to me. Why should I ever anxious be, since such a God is mine? He watches over me night and day, and tells me, Thou art mine. Beloved, I am as near and dear unto God as the Son is to the Father. Every blood-bought believer, every sinner who's looking to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for all their salvation is as near and dear unto God as the Son is to the Father. Beloved, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. You see, we're near unto Christ by covenant union, by covenant relationship. Remember, he said, I and my Father are one. And he said that his Son and God's people are one in in him, near unto Christ. Secondly, by kinsman union, he's our kinsman redeemer. For as much as his children were partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Near unto Christ by covenant union, Christ is in God, God is in Christ, and beloved, we're in him, near unto Christ by kinship, kinship union. And then thirdly, near unto Christ by access union. He said, come boldly under the throne of grace that you may attain mercy to find help in time of need. Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ and near unto the Lord Jesus Christ by an indwelling union. Christ in you, the hope of glory, a people near unto him. Near I cannot be in the person of his son. I'm as near as he is. Now lastly, what? They do unto the Lord. What is it that his people do unto the Lord? What does it say there at the conclusion of verse 14? It says, praise ye the Lord. That's what they do unto the Lord. They they praise him. And look back at uh, Psalm 147, verse 1. It says there, praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is calmly. It's right. It's proper and it's pleasant. And that's our delight, to praise, honor, and worship him, is it not? And the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, beloved, that's our delight, to praise the Lord. Now, though I don't honor him as I should, nevertheless, that's my desire. But I find my ability to do so woefully and sorely lacking. Yet it's my desire to honor and praise the Lord in my heart before God. And that not to be seen of men, for God looks on the heart. What a what a blessing to sing from the heart. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. His perfect submission. <laughs> His perfect submission. My perfect delight. We really should sing that when we're singing that. Somebody might misunderstand that and think they're talking about themselves. No. His perfect submission. My perfect delight. When Paul writes in Philippians 3, he describes the true Israel of God, the very same people that's being spoken of in Psalm 148, verse 14. His people, 
his saints, the children of Israel, a people near unto him, the true Israel of God, and they're described as those who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and they have no confidence in the flesh. My friend, you have to have no confidence in the flesh to worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Paul writes, Beloved, we are the circumcision. We are the true Israel of God, which do worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We read in Isaiah 40, verse 11, how that our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, how that he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with the young. That's pretty clear, is it not? Beloved, he carries us on his shoulders and he, he gathers us not only in his arms, but ever so blessedly in his bosom. You see, we're on his heart and in him, and he gently leads those that are with young. And believers, sinners like you and me, beloved, we do delight to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it won't be long, beloved. <laughs> it won't be long. And we shall sing that new song in glory, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. And our Lord declares, Surely I come quickly. And his people say, Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful that I have a mediator. How about you? <laughs> I'm so thankful I have an advocate with the Father. You know, when we conclude our, our service... I'll ask uh, um, Tyler or I'll ask Gary or, or, or James. I've already asked James for the Sunday class <laughs> um, to pray uh, to conclude our time together. And it just, it just struck me. As, as much as it is for us to, uh, it's, it's a blessing to hear a man pray to the Lord. But never forget it, beloved. <laughs> that man's prayers needs a mediator. And that mediator's name is the Lord Jesus Christ. That prayer needs the merits of God's Son's precious blood and righteousness. If it were not for our mediator, our advocate, it would be just filthy rag in his sight. I'm thankful that we can pray in the name of his well-pleasing Son, uh, our all-glorious, sovereign, success, successful Savior.